All right, what's going on, guys? It's Bryson here with Alonzo, and we're here for football, actually. There's going to be actual real-life regular season football played. I know it's been a while, but here we are. What's going on, Alonzo? I'm so excited, man. I haven't been – like, I woke up at 5 a.m. If people were on Twitter at that time, I started tweeting about Kendall Wright at 5 a.m. today. <laughs> and that's just how I know that football is back. It's fucking back. I'm so excited. I can't wait to watch. Even the fucking Eagles raise their banner. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, me too. And the thing I want to say to the people, what I love about Alonzo, is you could check up on Twitter like 11 p.m. And there's a bubble practice squad guy for the Titans. And he's going to, he gives you like what he's good at and the Patriots just <laughs> on him. Uh, yeah. I made the case for Boston Scott earlier today on Twitter. <laughs> Boston, if you don't know who Boston Scott is, like, I think that's a good sign for you. And it's a bad sign for me. <laughs> oh, man. Football. So, first of all, let's talk about our boy Brandon Bolden because he was signed with the Dolphins. And, we're, I'm, both of us aren't really too high on Bolden, but Bolden gave us a lot of good memories, a lot of good plays, and specifically for me, the Cliff Averill play in the Super Bowl Forty Nine, where he just absolutely changes the game by destroying and knocking out Cliff Averill, just completely knocked him out of the game. And along yeah. with and along with that, the Chargers game where he absolutely killed the punter that season, which was huge. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Chargers had to insert yep. a, a backup punter. <laughs> These are my yeah. favorite. These are my favorite Brandon Bolden memories, and he was a big part of the team. And I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him, but we won't really miss his production that much. I don't think. Yeah, I I mean, if we miss his production, we're in trouble. Big trouble. <laughs> but, big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> because when Bolden was on the field on offense, and I, I don't want to be mean, but it was a horrible sign when he was on the field on offense. <laughs> uh, he wasn't good, and I remember uh, in 2016, I think he. First, he fumbled in the Arizona game, uh, the Jimmy G game. Then he dropped a touchdown from Jacoby Brissett on a wheel route against Buffalo in week four. Then I think he dropped a clear third down conversion against Pittsburgh in the Landry Jones game in week seven. And those were like his, the three snaps that he had played all season on offense to that point, And he just didn't play again. Because on offense, he had his moments – even in the playoff game against Tennessee, like he, he played a little bit on the goal line in the red zone. Uh, yeah, he was not good on offense. He didn't want to have Brandon Bolden out there on offense. But at least with him, you, he knew what he was doing. He was kind of like a Landon Roberts in that sense. Um, but he, well, where they'll miss him, apart from the special teams, the kicking game and whatnot, which – I, like, I know a lot of stuff about football, and I don't know. Like, I guess they'll miss him there. Uh, where they'll miss him is the locker room because everyone loves Brandon Bolden. And even, like Tom Brady said, this is one of the best teammates I've ever had. And there's a reason beyond special teams that the guy has been able to stick on the roster since 2012. So I wish him the best, except when he play him. And, yeah, kind of. Kind of sad to see him go, and I can't really say I love Geno Grissom having a roster spot right now, at least over him, but it is what it is, and yeah, I won't, not shedding any tears here, but he's a guy worth mentioning. Yeah, so 7% of the Dolphins roster is former Patriots. We love it. 
Yeah, we love it. I hate fuck the. I I really the Dolphins are the team that I want to blow out this year. <laughs> the, the, like the clearly inferior team, where they always have slip ups against teams that aren't as good as them. But no, I want the Dolphins to be that team that they just demolish. Like fuck you, you really took Dola, you took our locker room guy. Nah, just fuck you guys. Oh, you guys just wait till our Dolphins preview when I'm talking about Dante Hightower absolutely killing Amadola over the middle. <laughs> oh, no, no. Maybe. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Maybe. All right, so Kendall Wright comes in for a visit yesterday. And my initial thoughts are Kendall Wright would be a serviceable fourth receiver. And so I would take Kendall Wright. What about you? Yeah, uh, that's he had 59 catches last year with the Bears as essentially their number one receiver for Trubisky. He, like, let's just say Kendall Wright's not that good because he's not on a team right now and the Vikings cut him. So, so, you know, we're not talking about some elite player that's just brought in to fix the position, but who would you rather have as a fourth layer of depth, Chad Hansen or Kendall Wright? I think that answer is pretty simple, and I think it's right. So for me, if they do sign him, I would expect it to be after week one so they don't have to guarantee his salary because Wright is a vested veteran. And I I don't know. Like, what do you think? The number four receiver spot, when Edelman gets back, right now it looks like it's Patterson, but if Wright gets brought in, I guess you'd kind of have a 4A, 4B Patterson right and really with our arsenal of tight ends and backs Edelman Hogan Dorsett Wright and Patterson is a very good group of receivers yeah and I think as we're going to talk about in this game the problem that we have in this first these first four games are just going to be the sheer receiver numbers like you're not going to be able to play a whole lot of 11 personnel I don't think and if you had Kendall Wright you could do that a little bit more. You can make your offense a little bit more versatile because he could definitely play the third receiver spot a little. And you probably feel more confident about him playing the third receiver spot than Cordero Patterson. I mean, I don't know about if you feel better about him being the third receiver than Patterson. Like we've noted multiple times on this podcast, Patterson isn't the sharpest, (laughs) the sharpest receiver out there. And I don't, have much confidence he's going to learn the offense, but right coming in during the season, I don't, I don't think has a great chance to kind of take over for him. I think what the signing would be about more is just depth and numbers, kind of like Kenny Britt last year, where they had very few receivers on the team. And you just, you want to have guys that you can dress that are NFL players and what has Riley McCarron done and what has Chad Hansen done to show us they're NFL caliber players. Nothing, nothing, to be honest. So right in that way, it's, you know, it's kind of a great fit, in my opinion. And he can move around, too, which is a plus to him. He's not an exclusive outside player, but he can play a little outside, plays in the slot. I'd like him. I think he would be a pretty welcome addition to the to the wide receiver room. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would take right. Obviously, just like you said, the numbers game, that's the most important part of this whole situation. 
Right. Yeah. And he, when Edelman gets back, like he might be an inactive, <laughs> a healthy scratch, but having the, just that depth is important. It matters. And like, who would you rather have <laughs> Chad Hansen or Kendall Wright? That's what it comes down to. Well, Bamani Jones probably thinks that Chad Henson <laughs> would be a preferred player of Bill Belichick because he's white. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> All right so uh, let's get into our actual football uh, predictions here. So on defense first, starting off Patriots defense, I want to I bounce this idea off you. Here's what I think the Patriots are going to do in the secondary anyway. So a lot, a lot of talk about Gilmore following Hopkins and this and that. And my thought is the Patriots are going to try to use Gilmore on the early downs, the non-obvious passing situations. They'll put Rowe on Fuller. John Jones probably sticks Ellington. And my thought is in obvious passing situations, you bracket Rowe and Harmon on Hopkins. You put Gilmore on Fuller, and you put Jones on Ellington. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's an option. It's Look, I, I don't – it's hard to say exactly how they'll match up with them. And I, even since it's the first week of the season, it wouldn't even shock me if they just don't shadow, right? If they play sides with Rowe and with, and with Gilmore and just keep it as simple as possible. Because, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I think that, can you cut this? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was... Yeah, you caught me off guard a little bit there. And I was just uh, stammering a little. Uh, fuck. Well, the the thing about the thing about the the Patriots is that people have to know is they're facing a mobile quarterback, and what the Patriots generally do is they play a whole lot of zone, and so maybe the whole lining up the the guys the player for player thing doesn't work as much because the Patriots are just going to stick to size like you just said and play a lot of zone and try to contain Watson in the pocket. That's my other thought. But if they're going to play man, I figured they, they might try to do that a little bit. Yeah. Belichick this week actually talked about how it was a little bit of an advantage to have two guys in Gilmore and Rowe that are kind of similarly built. So you don't, you aren't forced to match up, right? Like with, with Butler and Gilmore last year, if they wanted to just keep it simple and stick to sides, it would have been hard facing a team like, say, it's ironic because they faced them, but Tampa Bay, where Butler can't match Evans and Gilmore could match Jackson, but you'd much rather have on Evans. So in that way, I would, I would expect them actually to play sides. If you just done to my head, they keep it simple somewhat for this week and because Rowe on Fuller, I, I don't love that matchup. And Gilmore on Fuller, I don't – like you'd rather have on Hopkins. So you just – you sort of split the difference, play a little more zone, uh, have the guys stick to their sides, and just see how that goes. I might – the other option, if you were to play man, would be to double Fuller and to just trust Gilmore on an island with Hopkins. Because Hopkins – as great as he is, he's not a burner. Like, he's not going to beat you downfield with his speed. It's going to be more contested catches, 
and whatnot. And in that way, I do trust Gilmore a little more uh, to just play him one-on-one on an island and focus on not letting Fuller just kill you deep because those, those are killers. The Fuller bombs are killers. Yeah, and the Patriots are kind of uh, constructed well enough to prevent those deep passes with Harmon, D-Mac, and Rowan Gilmore, obviously great corners. And then you have John Jones, who's a super speedster, who you could put on Fuller in a pinch if you really wanted to, if he was in the slot. Right, yeah. I think Jones, though, Ellington's also just kind of sneaky. He's short and shifty, I think, with – like. I, the one, the thing I wouldn't expect is them to mix with Rowan the slot and move all that around. I would say Rowan Gilmore do stick to the boundary and Jones, Jones stays in the slot and it's a natural matchup for him with, uh, with Bruce Ellington. If, if we had seen more or if I guess Crossin or JC Crossin more likely had a more experience and you had more trust in him and Rowe wasn't a clearly superior player, you could consider putting him on Fuller because that is a good athletic matchup, but they won't do that. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, Rowe is definitely one of my secondary keys for the week, but the next key for the week for me is uh, Danny Shelton, who I expect to have a big game this game. We're going to see a big difference in the defense, and Danny Shelton's going to be pushing people all over the place. Because the Texans probably going to run a whole lot of RPO, as we know, the league average for RPO completion percentage is like seventy percent. And if you can't stop the run, you're going to get screwed by RPOs all night long, as we saw in the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl. And Danny Shelton's going to help a whole lot here. And I'm not really too afraid of their offensive line. It's not. It's not that it's good. Not good. Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller doesn't scare me at all. So I, I think we're going to have a. We're going to be good at containing the run. It's just about those third down, containing Watson in the pocket plays. Make sure you're setting the edge. Dietrich Wise isn't rushing past the quarterback. <laughs> and as we talked about before the pod, uh, spying spying Watson on third down. Maybe Chung, maybe Griggs, Grigsby. Yeah, you know, we'll see. I, yeah. The Grigsby thing, I like I told you before the pod, there's always that one what the fuck just happened, why is this guy on the field role player. Uh, for the first week of the season, it seems like. And if it's Grissom or if it's Grigsby, it wouldn't shock me one bit because those guys are athletic. They might be a little better matched to counter the scrambling aspect of Watson. I don't know, maybe. You know, they used Flowers to spy Tyrod Taylor last year and Mariota in the playoff game. They kept Grigsby, I think... And they, well, they kept Grissom over Flowers. I don't think Grigsby was ever really in doubt. But they kept him. And it could, you know, for spying that athletic presence, it's, it would, that would be my prediction if they get the what the fuck starter or role player for this week. Like you said, the running game for Houston doesn't scare me. I think we'll be much better in that category. If they do go to the RPOs, it kind of bolsters my point in my opinion about them just playing zone because you already have to worry about Watson's legs. So from that standpoint, you're playing, you're more inclined to play zone. And with, with the RPOs, no, wait, no, 
Fuck that. No, they play man to counter the RPOs. I'm sorry about that. I just made a mistake. Got the wires crossed in my head. But, yeah, so that that's kind of moot. <laughs> but the running game for Houston doesn't scare me. Watson, I think they'll try to test them. I think they should try to test them with trying to get to him because it's his first full game back from the ACL. Maybe he's not quite 100% confident ready yet so they're if I would say I think they're going to be a little more aggressive with him and going after him than they are with a typical mobile quarterback yeah and a thing I want to point out to the the listeners here is that we actually had a patch Twitter Twitter fantasy league and Lamar Miller sat there for probably 20 picks at the at the highest pick available he he just sat there for like twenty picks, and I was I was begging Alonzo to take Lamar Miller because he sucks. Lamar Miller is just a guy. I actually sent in an <laughs> offer for Lamar Miller because I have too many guys that are out for the first couple of weeks of the season. <laughs> so I sent in an offer. Uh, Team Ash, if you can respond to me, if you want Mark Ingram for Lamar Miller, uh, you you know give me a call there. <laughs> not Mario because he owns you Mario owns you Mario it was incredible Mario th- this fucking guy I think <laughs> it was he he was picking ninth I was picking 10th there were at least seven times during the draft where I said oh fuck because he took the guy that was at the top of my queue right before me and god I hate Mario and his team is so good too you look at his team it's it's really good. My team my team's going to need a running back to emerge at some point during the season. But I like the team. And I definitely noticed your lull in the picks because I had a fantasy draft right after that at 9 and you just you just kept taking like a whole the whole entire time to pick. Yeah, because fucking <laughs> Mario Mario sniped, Mario sniped my you. entire queue for the whole fucking draft. That was that was uh, bad. We, that was rough. I'm still winning job, the Mario. league, though. By the way, <laughs> good job, Mario. We love it. We hate it, Mario. Fuck you. <laughs> All right. So uh, to wrap up the the whole def- defense thing, I'm not really worried about the Pats' defense too much. But what I am worried about is a little bit more is the Pats' offense here. Because last year, when the Patriots played the Texans, they had the most pressures all year against the Patriots O-line. The Patriots O-line allowed the most pressures all year. I think it was like 22. The Patriots had 56 yards rushing. They averaged like three yards a carry. If you guys remember, it was the beginning of the year. The Patriots, the first five or six weeks, could absolutely not run the ball whatsoever. Well, and they were using he... they were using their worst running back on most of their running plays, by the way. Right. Right. <laughs> and it, this was an absolute atrocity, and – Tom Brady actually averaged like 10-point-something yards per attempt, so he actually had a pretty big game. And I think we're going to need another – yeah, we're going to need another big game out of Tom Brady because like we just talked about, the Patriots have two-and-a-half receivers we're we're confident in, so they're not going to play – they're probably not going to play a whole lot of 11. I mean, we're really going to have to block this front because their seven is – their front seven is very good the middle of the field, the short passes. I don't know how much they're going to be there, to be quite honest. I think the intermediate deep stuff going to be there a little bit more. So the keys really are Trent Brown and Marcus Cannon and Dorsett getting open. Well, here's the thing about what you said. 
in the middle of the field in that type of passing game. I don't know if they have anyone that can create there. And that's where the whole issue kind of lies because, you know, Hogan just isn't that type of shifty player. Dorsett could be like, he's not, he's not an Edelman type, not by any stretch. And I think he'll play more on the outside a little bit in the slot in some situations, but he's not that type of option option route, herky jerky um, type of receiver. And without Dola, without Edelman, it's really going to have to fall on the running backs to create in that way. And I am actually a little more confident in the offense than you are. I think the Patriots have had success in the past, just shredding Houston's linebackers with, uh, with passes to the backs. If you remember the Dion Lewis, that in, well, the, the 16 season, 17 playoffs where Dion had, I think three touchdowns. And James White had another touchdown receiving. It, when they go to their base personnel packages, which is two tight ends on the field, two running backs on the field, th- maybe even three tight ends on the field, they're going to attack Houston's linebackers. And really the key to establishing that is making Houston not play nickel when, they're, when the base personnel packages are on the field. And if they're going to do that, they are going to have to have some success running the ball. I'm a little more confident than you are in the running game because, like I said, last year they were playing Mike Gillisley, who has been confirmed not good since then. And now they'll, they'll play Burkhead. They'll play – maybe Michelle's out, but they'll play Hill, Burkhead, White. Um, and I think they'll have a little more success running it than they did last year uh, against the same team. I don't know. I think they'll they'll find a way. Yeah, sure. They have they have TV twelve. They're gonna find a way. But my thoughts is a whole lot of twelve. Uh, probably fa- probably a little bit of twenty two sprinkled in there, and 13. probably yes, yeah, maybe some thirteen with Hollister in there, and just a little less eleven. I don't think they'll go eleven too much. You know, maybe we're saying they're not gonna go eleven, and we're considering Patterson as a third guy. But they could go 12 with Gronk and Hollister instead of Allen and just consider Hollister like the slot guy. That would be sort of a variation of 11 that I think we see sprinkled in there for this week. And Hollister, by the way, he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. He's been limited in practice. If he can't go, that really limits what they can do personnel-wise Um it takes away 13 and it gives them two active tight ends, which it's not what they would want. I think Hollister plays because the beat writers haven't been too concerned about him, but still something to keep an eye on. And another thing that I want to keep an eye on is Gronk having over six catches. That's my prediction for the game. Gronk's going to have over six catches. I think like we talked about at DMs, I think you might be a little surprised about his usage. He's he's virtually always open. He's the kind of middle of the field guy the Patriots need. And I don't think we'll see a lot of whole Gronk seam routes or Gronk down the middle a whole whole lot, maybe just in the short and intermediate game. I think Gronk's gonna have a big game. I think Gronk's gonna I think Gronk's gonna be um just Gronk. And his his typical game, I would say, is uh, huge yards per catch, 
six, anywhere from five to seven catches. And even if he, like, that's not an Edelman or an Amendola type of impact, but it still leaves a mark. And it'll, I'm not worried about Gronk. I think his usage will be his usage, his just his typical usage, and he'll be fine. The Like, Really, if you look at games last year, once Hogan went down, at that point, they only had two real receivers as well because Dorsett, Brady didn't trust them. So they were throwing a lot to tight ends. They were throwing a lot to, to the running backs and just kind of running the offense through Lewis and Burkhead. And in a way, it's just it's pretty similar to that, right? You have two receivers they trust now. They'll run the offense through the running backs. And... They'll Gronk will make his mark, and that's how they'll try to win on offense. The key will be not getting into huge, like, third and sevens. If, you, if they fall behind early in the down, or, yeah, early in the downs, they'll be, they'll be in trouble there because I don't know who I really trust to get open besides Gronk and besides, like, James White on a linebacker in a big third down. Yeah, for sure. And something I wanted to point out to you is that uh, Justin Reed is listed as the co-starter for safety. He's uh, probably going to play a whole lot of snaps this game, and he was picked 68. So you know what that means. The Patriots passed on him. Yeah, for who? For who? Duke Dawson. Fuck that. <laughs> I, I hate – you know, I'm not going to – I'm going to stop saying I hate Duke Dawson because, full disclosure, like I've never seen the guy play live. So – uh, saying I hate him is a little over the top, but I th- he's going to need to be really, really, really good for me to like that pick. Steelers, by the way, took James Washington 60th overall. Oh, man. Sad. Very sad. We could have used James Washington. James Washington would be our third worst receiver right now. Yeah, James Washington definitely produces in this system. Uh-huh. My gosh. What could have been? Yeah, fuck that. That's real. You know, the people are saying that the Patriots won't get production out of their rookies, and it's it's pretty much true. Besides Sony, and maybe Bentley overtakes Roberts, and you know, hopefully no one gets hurt. But Bentley might be the a guy that steps in there if if Hightower Van Noy were to miss a few games. Really, like the only position they could have had an instant impact in a significant way right now is receiver. But safety, no one was going to get in over the top trio. Corner, as we're seeing with Dawson, like it was, and with even J Mac, it was going to be tough to beat out Rowe, and it was going to be tough to beat out John Jones. Linebacker, I guess someone could have been the third guy, but no one's taken over for Hightower Van Noy. Defensive tackles, they rotate them. Edge defenders, they have a good rotation. Offensive line, Win couldn't break the starting lineup when he was healthy. Like, Michelle's going to be a rotational piece. Where the hell could a rookie have come in and made a an instant sort of Marshawn Lattimore type of impact? I don't see it. That's a tangent, but it's... It's notable. Maybe receiver was the only one. And even then, with Edelman back, at best, he would have been the third guy. And another thing I want to see from this game is 
Cordero Patterson returning punts. Uh, he did it once. He's been doing a little bit more. Uh, we're going to really need to win the field position battle here. I mean, Ryan Allen and Patterson are going to be huge here, pinning the Texans back and returning some punts, getting the Patriots some easy easy points here. So I want to see Patterson on the on the punt return team. Yeah, I'm with you. Patterson was back there returning against Carolina in the preseason. They, I'm assuming, have tried that in practice. So we'll – We'll hope for the best. He's never returned punts essentially in his life. But they brought him in to be a return man and a special teams ace. So, it, I mean, you figure the guy's going to have some type of impact as a punt returner. You would hope. But, again, if it's Chung back there and if it's just Chung fair catching stuff, I'd be, I'd be fine with it, to be honest. The key for me is Ryan Allen, and the key is going to be not stalling early in drives. Even if we don't score on every drive, which we obviously won't, we have to get them out to, like, the 40 or the 50 and just win the field position battle that way. Yeah, similar to the Jacksonville game where Ryan Allen was actually the MVP. I don't know. Tom Brady and Danny have something to say about that, but... I don't know. He was the MVP for the first three quarters. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about inactives here. Give me your projected inactives. Uh, well, right now they have – I don't think that Duke Dawson's going to play. He's missed most of the training camp, most of the preseason with the hamstring. At least he's limited now in practice, so that's a good sign. Uh, Brian Schwenke – there's no need to really have a a second backup interior offensive lineman active for a game day. Uh, maybe even if they're not comfortable with Patterson returning punts, you could see Schwenke cut and and McCarron called up just, uh, again, fair catch stuff. And McCarron probably knows the system a little better than Hanson at this point. Um, I think Chad Hanson's going to be inactive. I just don't think that him being here – for the period of time he's been here, even if God forbid any of our top guys gets hurt, I, I don't see him making any type of impact. Worst case, they just have Matt Slater take snaps there, which is a very bad worst case. And probably, I guess they would use Hollister as the slot guy. Um, Keon Crossin, I think JC Jackson beats him out for the special teams corner role. Uh, so he'll be inactive. In my opinion, I think Keontae Davis or Derek Rivers, depending on who's higher on the depth chart. Davis played over Rivers at times in the preseason, but Rivers, I I think, showed during the preseason that he was a better player. So I'd guess Davis right now. And Sony Michelle, Belichick said he was really behind this week. So I don't think he's going to play. Like how much would he realistically contribute in the kicking game and how much are you playing him over even a Jeremy Hill? That's what it comes down to there. And then for the last spot, uh, to the dismay of Pat's Twitter, Jawan Bentley doesn't play special teams and is behind three other linebackers on the depth chart and maybe four if you count Grigsby. 
So I think he'll be inactive, even though Gino Grissom, <laughs> Gino Grissom might have as good a chance to be inactive as he does to play like 40 snaps. So which one is it going to be? <laughs> Probably somewhere in the middle, but both of those options, I guess, are on the table. Yeah, and something you were talking about before the pod is just how the Patriots played the Texans in previous years was the big nickel, which really only uses two linebackers in Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, and you might sprinkle in some Landon Roberts. It seems like Landon Roberts is higher right now. Like you just said, he's played special teams. So I think to the dismay of Pat's Twitter, Bentley may be inactive. Everyone will weep, and he has a bright future, but maybe just not now. Exactly, right. And he'll – eventually you need that depth. And just think of Bentley – as this year's David Harris, but he's actually good. You don't really want him on the field, but if you need him on the field, it's you feel a little more comfortable with him than you did with Harris. You know, sorry, Matt Chatham, but Harris was not good last year. <laughs> with Harris, the Patriots win the Super Bowl. But with Malcolm Butler, they don't, right? Right, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Good times on Patriots Twitter. By the way, some, someone on Patriots Twitter said Pat's 0-4. Your thoughts? Uh, that's, that's insane. Look, like we were talking before the pod, too, about how Bill Simmons always says on his podcast. And Bill Simmons, by the way, the most negative Patriots fan, I think, out there in the world. And yet you look at the team he tweeted out for his fantasy team – and he has like five Patriots on there. I just thought that was pretty funny. It might be him trying to reverse jinx stuff. And, you know, I wouldn't put it past him. But Simmons always talks about the infrastructure in San Antonio and how that gets them wins. You've got to figure it. Just the infrastructure is going to get the Pats one win, at least in the next four games. And I would guess, at, like gun to my head, I'd say three and one with a possibility for two and two, but one and three or oh and four, like I would be shocked. I, I, I lean more towards four and oh than oh and four and maybe even more towards four and oh than one and three. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the same as you. And something I just thought about uh, that we're going to see from negative Patriots fans. How long is it going to be? after Goskowski's first miss that Patriots are tweeting about Dan Bailey. Oh, no. Fuck. Oh, you're right about that. <laughs> Shit. Goskowski sucks. Sign Dan Bailey. <laughs> yeah, actually. I think we're going to see it. I thought about that. We're going to see it. We're going to see it. Everyone just prepare yourself now. It's going to happen. I guarantee you, as soon as Goskowski misses a kick, just wait an hour, tweet, search, Bailey, Dan Bailey Patriots and see what happens. I think if you tweet search Dan Bailey Patriots now, you probably <laughs> get some people. You probably get some people in the camp of having to sign him before week one. The Chargers, by the way, the Chargers having not signed Dan Bailey as of right now is insane. Like they lost, they lost like four games last year because of their kicker or their special teams. Incredible. 
Yeah, it really is. It really is. And also with the narrative that we're going to see is from uh, Bamani Jones and Steve Nay about Brian Flores uh, not being the <laughs> defensive coordinator in title. And we're going to wait for that one because we already said last spring that, that this would happen and it's going to happen. Just wait for it. If the Patriots defense plays really good. We're going we're gonna to wait for this. There's going to be a ton of shots of Blonde, Brian Flores, and there's going to be a ton of Stephen A. Smith uh, racism, innuendos about Brian Flores not being a D.C. I just think it's weird, Max. <laughs> just think it's a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going with my score. I've got 27-20 Patriots. just think the Patriots are going to score enough. They'll hold the they'll hold the Texans up twenty points or under, in my opinion, and they'll get the dub, and we'll all be here. We'll be laughing and one and zero. I got twenty three twenty under my head. That's uh, what's what's the line by the way for this game? The Patriots favored by? I think they're favored by six and a half. Do we know? Which is high, oh, man. That's 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 pretty it's high for the first like, game of the year. It's it's high. I wouldn't bet that. I have. You won't see I'm cousin. Sorry. You won't see cousin yeah. Sal parlaying that. <laughs> we'll see Simmons, who's <laughs> been the most negative Patriots fan, probably out there publicly all off season. We'll see him put that in a parlay. I'll say this, though, like, I have no idea what to expect from this game. We've thrown ideas out there and what we think it might be, but in terms of expectations, I could just as easily see the Patriots dropping, like, 30 as I could see them dropping 10 or 13. Yeah, we really just don't know. Like, we have no idea what the – like, we're saying the Patriots might not use 11 a whole lot, and then they might just go 11, 80% of the snaps. Exactly. And Patterson plays a hell of a game. Juwan Bentley's, act, Bentley's <laughs> active, playing a huge role. We just, we don't know, guys. It's the first week. Yeah. We're just it's a feel out. Here. It's a feel-out pod for a feel-out month of the season. And, yeah, that's – it is what it is. Wow, what a perfect way to end the pod. It is what it is. <laughs> it right, is what it trip. is. Whatever whatever happens, happens. <laughs> it is what it is. And go Pats. Go Pats, man. Anything else? Anything else we need uh, to talk about? Nope. <laughs> nope. Just uh, pour, yourself, pour yourself some Tito's vodka, guys. Because we're officially sponsored, in case, in case you didn't unofficially, know. Unofficially, but, but actually officially. Yeah. <laughs> Tito's Vodka Ooh. has been in the DM, so Ooh. it's actually official. Ooh. I know, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing. Be drinking some pumpkin beer and Tito's Vodka. I don't vodka. know how, like... And me, the, I'm going to beat. I don't know how I'm going to spend... Like, I forgot how great Sundays are. You just you just forget, right? So much time passes, and you just you just forget. I think I'm gonna eat like because I can finally eat again after the wisdom teeth thing. I think I'm gonna eat at least at least eight different um, 
orders of tacos. At least. I'm leaving, man. I'm leaving home in a week. So I I, like, oh. I have to get my fill in for the next two weeks before I leave Monday the 17th. It's, I don't know. It's going to be explosive. I'll say that. Uh, you just you just took my mind to a totally different spot when you're talking about coffee. <laughs> oh boy, that too actually. <laughs> <laughs> wait, so wait, so you're feeling better? So did Mike Reese no, actually give no, you some no. advice? Hello, Elijah no, no, he NFL. didn't. Oh, fuck, Mike. Mike. Yeah, I think Mike actually predicted Trent Brown would make the Pro Bowl. So. <laughs> yes, I think that was more Woo! of like a shout out to us than anything he could have said to me about my teeth. <laughs> yes, everyone will weep as Trent Brown ends JJ Watt's career Sunday. That'll at be 1 Marcus PM. Cannon because Marcus Cannon is JJ Watt's dad, <laughs> as has been established on Twitter.com. <laughs> he really is. He really is. Yeah, it'll it, Trent Brown. Are you worried about Trent Brown's conditioning going into this game where it's going to be hot as hell on the field? <sighs> this no, game's in Houston, England, isn't it? But it's, I, have friends, it's I have friends in Boston right now who are telling me the heat is something serious. Yeah, it's pretty hot. So with Trent, Brown, Trent yeah, Brown's conditioning, hot. something to watch in this game. Uh, you, <laughs> we... We kind of we kind of hinted at this last pod, but something to watch for is the Patriots going no huddle at the end of this at the end of the second quarter. And Trent Brown, and Trent Brown, you saw you saw the players in college football falling over injured, and you thought that was bad. Trent Brown is actually, yeah, I'm actually worried for him because if the Pats go no huddle, Trent Brown might actually, yeah. Win. And Waddle's going to come in for the swing tattle, tackle, Belichick's. You know, he's going to be pissed off at Trent Brown and Skarnecchia for not being in shape. But just please, guys, please just take it easy on Trent Brown. If, if, he, if he throws up on the sideline, just don't, just don't roast him. He's not going to give up a sack. Just yeah. don't roast him. Trent Brown, I, we, said it, we said it last pod. Trent Brown is our version of Shaq. He's going to play himself into shape as the season wears on. <laughs> and in the playoffs – no one is going to get to Tom Brady from his blind side. Like Trent Brown will literally wipe out the guy Joe Tooney's blocking, and then he'll worry about his guy, and he'll throw him out the club. <laughs> oh man, that yeah, I'm ready for that little Dorset screen where Trent Brown is just mammothing down downhill at some Ty- yeah. poor Tyran Matthew, Ty- Tyran Matthew, career. and Justin Reed. Trent Brown literally picks both of them up. Slams them on the ground. <laughs> Evil. And Dorset, Dorset Mike looks Reese. back like, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> he gets tackled for no game. <laughs> Mike Trent Brown needs a visor, a black one, a smoke visor. Trent Brown is perfect just the way he is, man. I don't know why. You know, my goal for the season is to get Mike Reese to tweet that picture. Of Trent Brown smiling in his Patriots uniform, <laughs> where he looks 13 years old. Trent Brown with the crushing block, and it's the picture of Trent Brown smile. <laughs> when Trent Brown doesn't get called for a hold on a touchdown pass, 
and some fan, some Texan fan is bitching about it on Twitter. Everyone on Pat's Twitter has to respond with the picture of Trent Brown looking 13 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is your dad now, Clowny and Watt. This is your Merciless. dad. Merciless. Fucking Merciless. Yeah, that's your dad too. It's going to be a tough game. I can't wait for football, man. Can't wait. <laughs> I've been waiting too long. I, I want it to be tonight. I wanted to just want to watch this game. Ah, football's back. I can feel it. It's just so close. You know, all season, all off season, every Sunday, it almost felt like I had something to do. And I had nothing to do. And I just was like, man, what's going on? I can feel it. Almost like when you, when you lose a limb and you have, like, ghost <laughs> limb syndrome. And, you, like, you think your arm's there, but it's not uh-huh. there. It just feels like it's a, you're like, man, something's going on. And then I remember, oh, yeah, shit, football, it's gone. And now, now I'm going to have to get my, lift, get my uh, rush lift in at 12.59 p.m. so I can get in the house and watch the Patriots at 1. It's, it, there is, Every Sunday, and I love it. There is nothing better. There is seriously nothing better. Actually, you know what is better? Watching the Patriots at 12. Central time is undefeated. You get the whole day and you're not wiped out for the night game. Yeah, I wish I was a West Coast sports fan, but sadly, you know, West Coast, East Coast. I'm not sure about the West Coast. Because then like, you're, still, you're still at work or in class and then Monday night starts you have to set an alarm to get up at nine or ten every Sunday to watch the 1 p.m. games not sure about the west coast what about the NBA games that start at seven o'clock are you really watching them at 4 p.m. yeah probably yeah actually no east coast is central elite. central time I'm not even gonna central complain. time is elite. east coast is elite nope listen you you get I get to sleep in I get to have my lift. I, I want to lift at 10, 10 a.m. every day, but I end up dicking around on Twitter and seeing who the in- inactives are. And then by 12.01, I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to lift. And usually it takes me an hour to lift. So I get home. It takes me 10 hours, 10, <laughs> 10 hours, 10 minutes to travel to the gym. So I'm rushing the whole time. I'm sweaty. I get in there. I, I don't even eat. And there's kickoff. There's Goskowski for the kickoff. There's nothing better than rushing. The Patriots are undefeated when I rush through a lift. So uh, why the hell didn't you rush through a lift and the the whole Super Bowl thing? Because it was that night and it was an event. <sighs> Fuck you! You're rushing through your lift this year when every <laughs> every playoff game you're rushing through your lift. You got to take one for the team. Everyone, everyone's just gonna see what's going on. Did Goss pin him at the fifteen? <laughs> <laughs> what was the first play like? What kind of personnel do they come out in? Wait, why is it in our starting corner in the game? Is he benching row? <laughs> Tension. <laughs> All right, man. I'm excited for the game. Everyone should be excited for the game. Wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. wait. Uh, Matt Ryan's going to destroy – Matt Ryan is going to just absolutely destroy the Eagles tonight. It's going to be absolutely incredible. I own Matt Ryan in all three of my fantasy leagues. So, Matt Ryan. I suddenly don't, I suddenly don't want him to uh, do well. I suddenly want him to play Fuck bad. you, man. You know, you know, I was like, fuck you. <laughs> you're the, you're the, the worst. Just I, Seriously, I want you to die. 
<laughs> you guys heard that NSA, didn't you? FBI at FBI, you heard that. <laughs> All right, man. Let's go, Pats, and I will see you. See you later, later. and um, fuck Mario. Go, Pats, and let's go. <laughs> Mario.